King. It's the tale of the tape, it's time to enter the ring Boxing knowledge, dropped by Kenny and Vin This is sweet science, by some diehard fans Manny and Floyd, I am Mike and the rest And you're tuned in to the best of the best This is Sports Ram Radio It's the boxing fans only show This is Sports Ram Radio It's the boxing fans only show This is Sports Ram Radio And it's time for the next episode what up what up fight fans welcome back to the tale of the tape here on sports rant radio i'm your host kenny keith of sportsrantradio.com and with me and back for episode 33 my partner in crime and right hand man vince cummings what up man what's going on brother good to be back in studio yes sir no more of the nonsensical uh sound of blog talk radio let's let those other boxing podcasts out there wrestle with that Yes, sir. Our sound quality is 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 very important, and uh, like I was telling you before before the show, there's nothing like gazing into the eyes of my co-host. Yes, that's right. I am that <laughs> goddamn handsome people. Yeah, that delay. He's like, uh, <laughs> uh, do I want to be in here right now? I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a boxing show. <laughs> oh man! All right. I digress. Welcome to episode 33. We're back here at the Sports Rant Radio studios, and we're here to do our recap of last night's action from Broomfield, Colorado, as Mile High Mike Alvarado returned to the ring to take on Brandon Bam Bam Rios in the rubber match in the final episode of their storied trilogy. Leading into the fight, Mike Alvarado got himself into a little bit of trouble, Then, Yeah, I would say, and... uh Man, he just looked disconnected and just, I don't know, man. Something seems really wrong with that kid. He looks like, I don't know if he's smoking crack. I don't know what the hell he's doing. He's just got the the face, the look of a guy that's just going through some struggles right now. Yeah, I mean, maybe he just needed another Slurpee. You know? <laughs> right. Maybe he was just really thirsty. And, you know, he didn't get his, he didn't get his chance to get a Slurpee before the... Uh, before the fight. You know what I'm saying, though? His skin looked gray. Like, he looked like a freaking zombie, man. You know, he did. He did. And he looked like somebody that blew a couple lines before he came out. Yeah, God. Um, what did you think about him telling Jim Lampley in that interview that, oh, I was, I was just asleep, and, you know, my, my hotel was, was right by the store, and I needed something to drink. I was thirsty. I needed a Slurpee. That is the biggest load of bullshit. He couldn't even, he couldn't even, like, resemble a liar. Like, no. Dude, he, the look on his face, he looked like every bullshitter you've ever met and come across in your entire life, didn't he? Yeah, it was, it was absolutely pathetic. Yeah, and you know what? It all, everything that was speculated, you said it in the preview show. I asked you a question about, about, about Alvarado, where he stands, what you think about him today, and you said, quote-unquote, he's a shot fighter. Oh, he's, I mean, was he anything more than that? Or no. I mean, he may be less than a shot fighter at this point. No. So, okay, so here comes the question, all right? So was the result of this fight, the fourth round knockout, him being stopped on his stool at the end of the third round, was this a 100% blame to be placed on the condition and the mind frame and maybe the fact that 
Mike Alvarado. Apparently he is a shot fighter. Is that to be solely rested on him or can, how much credit can we give Brandon Rios? Because I'm going to tell you right now, Vin, that is the best physically I have seen Brandon Rios in three or four years. Yeah. He looked to be in shape. He did for once. He looked explosive. Yes. He looked fast. Him being in shape enabled him to resemble somewhat of a defensive fighter. Right. It gave him the ability to move. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Dude, he looked great. And and so there, there's that, I don't know, that precipice we dangle on. Like, right. how much credit do you give Brandon Rios, Vin? And how much do you blame the condition that Mike Alvarado stepped into the ring? Uh, you know, that's a tough question. It, Rios, like you said, looked freaking excellent last night. I mean, just a relentless attack. It was very accurate with his punches and seemed to have a little bit more snap on his punches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alvarado, I mean, just what, what can you say? The guy, you can't blame Rios for him not being prepared. Uh, whether Rio, whether he was prepared or not, I think Rios was going to win that fight as good as he looked. Yeah, there was the, the, we predict fights all the time. And a lot of times, especially in fights where the, you know, the odds are, are sort of a toss-up just based off of, you know, what we know coming into the fight. Right. Coming into the fight, we have to assume that Mike Alvarado is going to show up ready to fight. Right. Based you, off of that, it's basically a coin flip. Right. So then what comes in, you take into consideration what has transpired in the lead-up to the fight. We know Brandon Rios is refocused. He sounds more focused. Mike Alvarado gets arrested. So that tells you right there where the mind frame of these fights were. Right. Now, whether or not Mike Alvarado was you know, whatever he was. I'm not going to sit here and accuse him of being you know, stepping into the ring stoned, but he looked like he was freaking stoned. Right. And that doesn't negate the fact that Brandon Rios was just punching with leverage, dude. He, I mean, he was dropping bombs. And mm-hmm. once Alvarado was hurt from that uppercut that came right down Main Street, I mean, it was lights out. And he was looking for a way out, and he sat on that stool and then tried to take the blame off of the fact that he wasn't game. He just wanted to collect his paycheck exactly. and get the hell out of there. Do you it, really think he saw four fingers? No. He saw two friggin' fingers. He wanted no part of right. coming out of that whatsoever. His corner should have stopped the fight after the second round because he just walked out there and put his hands up yep. and eight punches. Yep. I sent a tweet out after the second round that said, throw in the towel. Yeah, it was, it was garbage. Uh, he stole money. $800,000. Yeah, he, he stole that money. And... Paying fans in the stadium, I mean, just, you can't, that's so disrespectful. Disrespectful to yourself, the sport, the fans. Yeah. I, I can't believe that he did that. He got booed by his hometown. Well, the... the Rightfully so. The post-fight interview, I, I'll give him credit for at least finally admitting after the fight that, yeah, I, I, I didn't do shit in this training camp and I was completely underprepared. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't, I mean, that's that's still no excuse, man. I'm sorry. Dude, he put on a very similar performance in the fight where he went shot. And right. that was the Provodnikov fight. Right. Okay, in front of his hometown crowd, right? Then he goes and fights Juan Manuel Marquez at the Forum, which is, that is Juan Manuel Marquez's home court. Right. Right? Having fought there, what, about a dozen times in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the, the legend of the Mexican legend was forged at the Forum. Right and was flat-out dominated and outclassed. And at that point right there, after those two fights, there was nothing about those two fights that 
you could give him a hall pass on whatsoever. No. I mean, at least with Brandon Rios, dude, he, he got whooped by Pacquiao, and then he admitted it. He flat out admitted it. Right. The guy was completely honest. He wasn't lying through his teeth with that dumbass look on his face that Mike Alvarado had where it's just like, come on, man, you're full of shit. We can tell you're full of shit. You have a look all over your face. Brandon Rios flat out said, dude, I got whooped by Pacquiao. He, he, said, he, he said he thought he was fighting an octopus. Yeah. You know? Yep. He said he, he, you know. Too much speed. Too much speed. He admitted that loss. He said he got depressed and down, wanted to retire after that fight, and was not prepared mentally, um, you know, and had a little bit of a layoff, had like an eight-month layoff coming into the fight with Diego Chavez, and then that didn't go the right way. He wasn't in shape. He admitted to not being in shape. So what does he do? He gets his shit together and realizes that, you know what, man? I'm a young kid. I'm 28 years old. 28 years old. Yeah, and he was on the verge of becoming an irrelevant fighter. Yeah. Absolutely. And now, last night, what he did is Brandon Rios is a very popular fighter because of his style, Mm -hmm. right? He takes no prisoners. He's balls to the wall. Whether he's in shape or not, the dude likes to fight and he's a good fighter. Right. You know, he can't be, he can't pigeonhole himself into being the guy that, you know, just doesn't really care, just like, you know, shows up fat and flabby, out of shape, just gets in the ring. And because he's got heart and pride and he's a fighter, you know, he shows okay, but he'll never reach that potential. I don't think he wanted to be that guy. No, I don't think he did either. You know, and and, and he proved that last night. So now the story is, for what we're hearing, and this would be awesome, and it makes perfect sense, and would be a great fight to sort of punctuate one career and maybe set another career um, into, a, you know, maybe another three or four years of, uh, of good stuff. If this is what we get from Brandon Rios, right. but there's speculation that a, uh, a fight between Brandon Rios and Juan Manuel Marquez could be on the horizon. If you get last night's Rios against a 40 year old Juan Manuel Marquez, what do you think? I think Marquez boxes circles around him. You think so? I think so. Yeah. But when we but, thought the same thing about, we thought the same thing about Sergio Martinez right. coming into the Cotto fight. Now, as Marquez had all the, you know, the the work done to his body that Sergio did, no, no. But at some point, yeah, it's, something's got to give. He's forty years old, and he has taken a pounding over his career, right? You know, for for a guy as decorated as Marquez is, I mean, just look back over. Yeah, just the four Pacquiao fights. Mm-hmm. He, he took a beating in all four of them. I, I don't know if Rios has the power to hurt Marquez. I don't know. I mean, that is a natural fight to me. Yeah. To me, it's a natural fight at 140 pounds. Okay? I think the two of them at 147 pounds, I don't know if Rios could ever get back down to 140, but I think Marquez is a natural, at this age, I think he's a natural 140-pounder. I don't know. With all that muscle he's put on there between the age of 35 and 40. Can you sustain that muscle? Yeah, I don't, I don't you, know. What, you know what I mean? Where did that muscle come from? You uh, know what I mean? Hey, we're, <laughs> I think we all know. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going down that road. But the thing is, uh, I think if you if Brandon Rios can show up to the fight and like he did last night. I could tell you one thing. I don't know if Marquez can hurt him. No. he No. Rios is almost impossible <laughs> to hurt, I feel like. The kid is just, he's a machine. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see the fight. Oh, I, yeah, I think it'd be a great fight. I think if odds were put out on that fight today, um, it would probably be Marquez, I'd say, I don't know, three to one. Two and a half, three to one, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but I'd love to see it. What about uh, Rios and, and and Bradley? I think that would be a great fight. Yeah, it would. You know, I, I saw something today that they're uh, the winner of of Provodnikov Matisse hey, fight Rios. That'd be awesome too. Yeah, all the, I mean, that's what's great about Rios is no matter who you put him in the ring with, he's always going to make it a good fight. Yeah, just don't put him in the ring with Pacquiao. No, <laughs> no, yeah. Put him in the ring with somebody that's comparable to him. I mean, that's not his fault. Pacquiao handpicked that. That was a comeback, you know, build myself back up fight. You can't blame him for taking the money. No, absolutely not. He knew he was going to get his ass kicked going into that fight. Absolutely, which is why he showed up the way that he did to that fight. You know what I mean? All right, man. Well, congratulations to Brandon Bam Bam Rios for an awesome, ultimate, uh, career-defining reemergence into the sport of professional prize fighting. Brandon Rios is relevant, and I hope he can keep it up, man, because he's fun to watch. Yeah, he is, definitely. All right, man, so the lead-in fight, the co-feature, I, I didn't even get a chance to even settle in last night. I'm sitting there. I'm like, you know, I, I got to get set up. I got my, I got my safari set up with my, uh, you know, with the, with the tail of the tape Twitter account. I got Google Chrome set up with the Kenny Keith Jr. Uh, Twitter account. You know, I got to get my, I got to get my, uh, my word processing doc opened up. I got to get everything labeled and all the rounds ready to go. Go downstairs, get a bowl of ice cream, you know, rub one out, you know, all the things that get you ready, get your mind right for, get your mind right for a fight. And sure enough, man, I turn on the damn TV and they're doing the tail of the tape. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. I thought that there was, I thought there were three fights. They, They didn't waste any time. No, they went right to the introductions of the gigantic Mexican they call Zurdo, Gilberto Ramirez, entering the fight at 30-0 and with 24 knockouts to square off against an equally as tall uh, 168-pounder and Maxime Blasov, 30-1 uh, and with 15 knockouts. And the referee was Curtis Thrasher. Uh, never seen him before, but actually did a really nice job. Yeah, he did. Um, and uh, Ramirez, I think... This fight, we can go through it a little bit. Uh, you know, basically, uh, a fight, you know, the fight went the distance. It was a very competitive fight. Um, I wanted to talk to you about some things with this, Vince. And, you know, I, this is a fight I wanted to get into the technical side of things. Right. Okay. I had a real big sort of, the questions I had about Ramirez, you and I talked about this time and time again. We talked about it when we were talking about prospects. Um, I had concern about Ramirez in... The way that he throws his hooks, I love his body work. I mm-hmm. always have, but I felt like his last fight was a little bit too competitive, and I have concerns with the biggest concern I have with Gilberto Ramirez. He has a really difficult time finding his range. Yes, he does. He, it's almost like he just throws his punches and thinks he's going to land, no matter how far away he is from the opponent. He whiffed. So much last night. Did you notice that? Yeah, he's a, he's like a, a rhythm puncher. He kind of just gets in the rhythm of, of punching, whether he needs to be punching at that point in time, whether he's in range or not. He still kind of goes through his little three or four punch rhythm, whatever he's doing. That was the worst I've seen him look. And It's a big step up in class, man. Yeah, it was, but he reminded me of watching Antonio Margarito, where he just kind of okay. volume punches – it didn't seem to have much power, Mm-mm. much pop. No. He looked tired late in that fight. Because he kept whiffing. Yes. We know how much that drains people. If, if Blasov had any friggin' power in that right hand, he would have been on the canvas a couple times. Oh, I agree. Because, you know, 
He didn't land any big shots, Ramirez. Not not really one big shot in that fight. No, I mean, he, you're right. He's a volume puncher. He will he will try to chip away at you with those body shots. But right. even then, I mean, there was never a point where you saw Vlasov sort of crippled. I mean, the dude was as skinny in the waist as, as yeah. you could possibly imagine. I mean, you got a guy who coming into the fight 170 pounds. He didn't put on any weight no. from the weigh-in. At all. I mean, he basically was the same weight as he was at the weigh-in. So he was trying to put on weight right. to get up to this, whatever the catch weight was, 171, 172, whatever it was. Right. And, you know, Ramirez was 185 pounds in the ring. Mm-hmm. He looks like a light heavyweight. He does. You know? And he, at the end of this fight, I took two things away from it, right? There's one. Ramirez has got to work on his range. He wastes way too much energy swinging from out of range. Yeah. Way too much. And Ramirez is extremely vulnerable to a straight right hand. Vlasov picked at his left eye all night long. All night long. He got hit so many times with straight rights underneath that left eye. He had, he was already, you don't become black and blue until the day after the fight. Sometimes two or three days after the fight. Until the blood vessels that are damaged actually settle into the swollen tissue. Right. He was already black and blue in the fifth round of that fight. And, man, I can tell you right now, 168 pounds, Vin, is the wrong division to be in if your kryptonite is a straight right hand. Oh, yeah. With the guys you got in that division right now, give me a break. You have some of the best right-handed power punchers in boxing in that division. Yep. Yeah. He's, uh, I'm not going to say it's back to the drawing board for him, but they got to... They got to work on a lot of things. They not, they need to clean a lot of things up before he takes the next step up in competition. Who do you want to see him fight next? I think he's got to fight Callum Smith. I think he's got to fight George Groves. He's got to get in with the 5 through 10 range of the division, don't yeah, you think? He, yeah, he does. It's time. Let's see where he's really at. But like I said, they, they got to clean some shit up, man. I mean, right now, man, if you put him in the ring right now with Anthony Durrell, who do you favor in that fight? I think Anthony Durrell would win. Andre Durrell. I think Andre Durrell might might shut him out. Yeah. Okay. George Groves. Yeah. All these guys would outbox him. <laughs> James DeGale. He, he would get outboxed again. Frotch. Frotch would. Frotch would probably sit there and trade with him and be able to hurt that kid with a freaking huge right hand. Yeah. I don't. I and and and, and of course. I mean, you know. Andre Ward's sitting there telling you exactly what he'd do to the oh, guy he was, while he's calling the fight. He was licking his chops watching that. Like, yeah, give me this kid right now, please. Yeah, yeah. I have no doubt about it that Andre Ward would probably shut him out. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, look, he may steal a round or two just because he throws so many damn punches. Yes, and it's like he never stops. It's just, I, 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 they got to do something with that. That can't be, he can't be a one-dimensional fighter and expect to get to the top of the division like that. It's just not going to work. Dude, didn't he remind you of another Mexican fighter, Alfredo Angulo? How Angulo sometimes will be just a punching the air. Yeah. He'll just play, like be coming in, and he's not even he's not even swinging at it. He's not in range. He's just punching, and you're like, what is he doing? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Ramirez is a big kid. I mean, he looks like he should be wrecking people. He does. Maybe he just doesn't have that. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if he has killer instinct, and I don't know if he has power. I think that those are two big questions moving forward. Yeah, they're huge questions. They're yeah. huge questions. They want this guy to be a star because he's good looking. I, I mean, if, if he's going to fight that way and he really can't hurt anybody fighting that way, 
I mean, the fight was interesting and there was action, but it wasn't like edge of your seat action. You would think of a guy throwing that many punches and would be able to land enough to where you'd be going, man, this guy's fights are unbelievable. I can't, I can't blink. Yeah. No, I agree, man. He's got a lot of work to do. Yeah. He's got a lot of work to do. Very vulnerable. It's, it's that evident. It's that clear. It's, it's like, dude, you just, you just showed the entire world how to beat you yep. in that fight. Yep. <laughs> he didn't mask it at all. No. Okay, man. So I scored the fight 97-93. Judges scorecards 96-94, 97-93 times two based off of just pure, flat-out volume punching. Uh, yeah, I had it 96-94. I, I, I didn't give Ramirez I, – I, I didn't give him the fifth round. I, I gave Blasoff the fifth round. I know a lot of people didn't, but – I gave Vlasov the fifth round. Did you? Yeah, I gave Vlasov the second round, the fifth round, and the eighth round. Yeah, I gave him, and I gave Vlasov the tenth too. Did you? Yep. Yeah, I, I, that was a that was a coin flip round. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, either way, I think it was that kind of a fight. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a six four seven three fight. He was a round away from <laughs> from a serious roadblock. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. That was a lot closer than it should have been. All right, so that takes us to another young. Hungry Mexican, but this time an established superstar of the game in Canelo Alvarez. So Saul Canelo Alvarez, Kid Cinnamon from Mexico, 44-1-1 and and with 31 knockouts, had been in negotiations ever since before Christmas. We had been hearing about the fight that we were going to get in the first half of 2015 was going to be Canelo Cotto for the lineal middleweight championship of the world. This was going to be... You have, in the United States, we, we know international stars. you got Klitschko and Frotch, and you got these other guys. Right. But as far as North American boxing is concerned, you have Floyd, Manny, Cotto, and Canelo. Mm-hmm. Those are your big four right there. And if we could get this fight, and then the rumors of the negotiations with Manny and Floyd actually making some, some headway into getting their fight, we were in store for the greatest first half of boxing in the last 20 years. And what do we get? We've only gotten one side of it legitimately. Right. Representatives from Kodo's camp have spoken up and said here and there just kind of oddball things, which comes with the territory when dealing with a diva like Kodo. Right. But Alvarez withdrew from the talks to challenge Kodo for his lineal title last week's after they stalled and apparently, apparently, Kodo missed five separate deadlines. To make this fight happen. Cotto probably could give a shit about those deadlines to begin with. I mean, you, this, it's just so frustrating, man. It's The reason that these fights can't be made, I, spot, different sponsors and all this other BS, and uh, enough, man. I mean, come on. Can, can the fighters just say, shake hands and say, let's fight? I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you don't know what bullshit is bullshit and what's real. Right. And, yeah, to hear something as ticky-tacky as, Oh, well, I am sponsored by Corona, and I am sponsored by Tecate, so it's not going to work, man. It's yeah. like, what? Yeah, come on. What are you talking about? You can't drink both? Right. Well, to hit double fisted. <laughs> damn it. I'll drink both. Give me a Corona. Put a damn line in a Tecate. Tecate. I don't know, man. When I heard this fall apart, then you immediately hear following the rumors that, hey, you know what's going to happen is that Cotto is going to fight Floyd. So what you get is the two biggest divas in boxing mm-hmm. because, you know, Miguel Cotto is f- famous for 
speaking in the third person. Oh, yeah. He only says, yeah, Miguel Cotto does not move for anybody. Miguel Cotto only fights when Miguel Cotto says he fights. <laughs> and Miguel Cotto only drinks Tecate. <laughs> it's like, dude, so it's perfect, you know, is you got the, the two most self-centered, spoiled, diva brats in the in the sport today. Yep are holding the sport hostage, trying to ruin the two biggest fights of the year single-handedly by doing something that is 100% completely self-serving. They're reaching across the table from one one another and just stroking each other's egos to death. Uh, You know what? I can hear it now. He's like, what do you want, Floyd? Uh, (laughs) I don't know, man. What you want, Kodo? (laughs) It's like, come on, man. Give me a freaking break. So what do we get in the result, in the aftermath, is you get the young golden boy, Kid Cinnamon, basically straight up saying, well, you know what? You lost your chance. You didn't want to fight with me. You didn't want to make history. So instead, what do we get? We get on May 2nd, Canelo Alvarez will be squaring off with (laughs) the Mandingo himself, (laughs) James Kirkland. When you first heard this, what did you think, Ben? Uh, my first thought was, I'll believe it when James Kirkland actually steps through the ropes and gets in the ring that this is actually happening, because we all know, yeah, who knows with this guy. Well, he backed out of their first fight that they were scheduled to have. Right. I mean, it's a great matchup. Yeah. It's going to be a, a hell of a fight to watch, a hell of a fight for the fans, but it's just it just doesn't feel as good as it should, because that should be Cotto on the other end of that bill. All the diva BS aside, man, I'm over it. I am if this is going to happen and James Kirkland doesn't pull his, you know, his typical stunts that he's known to pull, then it, it, this fight to me is even sexier than than the Cotto fight. Yeah, I think it probably end up being a more entertaining fight for sure. Yeah, and you know what this does, man? It continues to all the all the things that 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 cause divisions in the sport and that fracture the sport, all the political bullshit aside. If there was one reason that I am okay with this sport being fractured or remaining fractured is by fighters with iron brass nuts dangling between their legs will step in the ring and go toe-to-toe with the most dangerous people in the sport. Gennady Golovkin, Terrence Crawford, Sergey Kovalev. These guys are on one side of the line. Manny Pacquiao. These guys are on one side of the fence because they want to step in the ring and they want to Fight. So if that's gonna if that's gonna split it, if Heyman wants to take all his prima donnas and self serving egomaniacs with their sense of entitlement on that side of the fence, and the and the Grand Canyon widens between legitimate ballsy fighters and guys like that, then I, I'll get a shovel and some dynamite, and I'll help make that damn division even bigger. Yeah, because I, you're right. It, it exposes who the real guys, who the real fighters are, who the guys that that actually care about the sport, yeah. actually have pride in, in themselves, and they're not trying to just completely shit all over every boxing fan that there is. I mean, it, it, I don't know, man. It, it, I'm, I'm so worn out with all of this negotiations of all these fights and the BS that you got. got everybody and their mother thinks they have inside information. Yeah. And they just they want to be the first one to break this little tidbit of news. I saw somebody say, the negotiations are 62% done. (laughs) What the hell does that even mean, man? I mean, just shut the hell up. Either let it happen. I'm tired of, I'm really tired of hearing everybody talk about it, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, everybody's an expert. Everybody, like you said, has got the inside information, this, that, and the other. Hey, my my opinion is fact, man. It's fact. It is based off of nothing. Right. But it is fact. You know, we were talking about this before the show, is that you get all these these Fairweather fans. You know what? We speak to and have similar opinions to those that love the competitive side of sports. We don't watch sports because we want to be Kobe because we want to rock the fancy shoes because this person was spotted with Rihanna. Like we don't just tune in for the, for the hokey senseless meaningless BS of we watch sports for competition exactly. because we are competitive, whether it is having a slam dunk contest on a five foot Nerf hoop hanging <laughs> on the back of a door or whether it's throwing lawn darts who gives a rat's ass, man? We are in this sport because we want to see people dare to be great. Right. I will say it every episode, Vin, until I cannot speak any further. Because I'm sick and tired of these people that tune in to their Twitter account. You know, the guys with 21 followers oh, yeah. that jump onto their account once a month, read one thing that Paulie Malinaji says, and then reply with their one token reply a month saying, oh, speak the truth, Paulie. Oh, speak the truth, Floyd. And it's like they have no idea what is actually going on. Okay? We have no idea to an extent. Right. But at least our fingers are on the pulse, and we can tell the frauds from the ballers. Right. You know, the guys that want it and the guys that don't. You know, and it's it's as clear as day. And Canelo Alvarez's legend will continue to grow. Oh, yeah. Because if you want to take the road of greed and ostracizing fans spitting in their face, they will continue to minimize their and lessen their pay-per-view buys. They will continue to not show up to the fights. And then comes in this little equation. People are talking about with Showtime, for example, to kind of make my point here, about how Showtime doesn't have any fights, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing scheduled. And how Al Heyman has taken everybody over to NBC, right? So who's going to fight on Showtime? Steven Espinosa goes on the defense. Oh, don't worry about it. You know, the second half of the year, we're going to have fights, blah, blah, blah. But nobody's bringing up the point. Maybe, just maybe, this is just me adding it all together, right? Is... Maybe Showtime has lost their ass on this Floyd Mayweather deal. And they want out? Yeah, maybe they, to them, they make more money and get more viewers by running a, a you know, a movie. Right. You know, by putting on, maybe Captain America and the Winter Soldier draws more than a million viewers instead of having on Rancis Bartholomew versus Salcedo right. as your main event. Maybe that they have tied in their entire budgets into paying for Floyd for a Floyd Mayweather salary because think about it if HBO has a budget an operating budget between 30 and 60 million dollars a year right mm-hmm. okay and they have more viewers and more money than Showtime does by a long shot okay and then but Showtime is tied in contractually to pay Floyd May- Mayweather 64 million dollars a year for two fights how are they making any money it, they can't be making any money they i think they were expecting to have pay-per-views clocking 1.5 million buys six straight yeah and they ain't got one over a million yet well canelo but other than that they yeah but now he's across the street right you know and so what you're seeing is 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 to me the writing's on the wall yeah okay steven espinoza can try all his backpedaling all his excuses all his rationalizations and everything fact of the matter is is that 
everybody knows that his there's a microscope on him and his job is on the line because for him to be as brash and arrogant to think that his job isn't on the line, every person in this country is expendable slash replaceable. And if you, the bottom line, it doesn't matter how well-liked you are, how smart you think you are, you know, if you're the coolest guy on the street, if you are the biggest and baddest boxing mind on the planet, if CBS Showtime isn't turning a profit, you're as expendable as the guy who who goes and gets your coffee in the morning. You think the higher-ups at CBS would blink an eye at, at, at letting him go? No! No, not at all. Especially if they're not making any money. No. So why are they going to waste money to put on shows that are losing money anyways? Because if Floyd's fights are losing money, what do you think Bartholomew Saucedo is doing? Oh, it's not. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know? So that's how it all, all sort of adds up to me. You know, with these with these guys and, you know, their, their, their egos and everything else that gets played into it. It all gets wrapped into this gigantic back, backlash that puts fans like us, diehard boxing fans that are just dumber than a box of rocks and don't go anywhere and just wear it every single time these guys spit in our faces and take advantage of the fact. I can guarantee you one thing right now, Vince. If, if and, and Oscar De La Hoya has said that they will fight on May 2nd unless... Mayweather and Pacquiao do fight. If that fight happens, out of respect to the fans, they will move the Canelo and Kirkland fight. But guess what? If he fights Cotto on May 2nd, he fights anybody other than other than Manny Pacquiao on May 2nd. I can guarantee you right now, and there are probably, I don't know, a half a million to a million diehard boxing fans that feel the same exact way that I do. And I haven't asked you about this yet, so I don't know how you feel about it. But if you have Kirkland and Canelo for free on HBO, okay, and you have a Showtime pay-per-view for 80 bucks, and it's Mayweather Cotto 2, the same crap over again, where Floyd has done nothing but bore us for the last three or four years of his career, and it's $80 to watch that, or, hmm, I'm already paying for HBO, and I don't have to pay $80 to watch Canelo Kirkland, which is a 100% can't miss, come forward fight that they're actually going to be dubbing explosive because that's what that fight is guaranteed to be. Yeah. What are you going to do? Are you going to buy the Mayweather pay-per-view? Uh, hell no. Hell no. I'm not buying another Mayweather pay-per-view unless he fights Pacquiao. Because here's the thing. We, we are, we're a studio show. We're not a live show. We, You know what? I don't care if we record the damn show on the next Thursday. Right. I don't care when we watch that fight. I will never buy another Mayweather fight again either. Do Why would you do that if Canelo and Kirkland, which is a better fight anyways? Yeah, it's not even, I mean, the level of entertainment you're going to get from Canelo and Kirkland is going to be tenfold better than Cotto Mayweather. Fact is, man, we know exactly where we're going to be tuning in on May 2nd, and I hope this happens because as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't see any way, shape, or form that Floyd and... Manny gets made whatsoever because no. of the perpetually bratty and delusional and just absolutely 100% ridiculous, ridiculous Floyd Mayweather. What do you think about the negotiations that are going on with Floyd and Manny? What do you think about what you're hearing out of these camps? What do you think about the fact that Floyd Mayweather continuously hangs his hat, continuously blames Bob Arum? We all know that this fight happens if Floyd wants it to happen. 
Yeah, uh, it, it's just enough of, of the bullshit from Floyd. We've said it a million times. Uh, look, dude, nobody cares what, what your excuse is or what you're saying as you're going to use as an excuse because, look, there's not one fighter I care to see you fight. I, I don't care if you want to fight Keith Thurman. I don't care if you want to fight the best up-and-coming young guy. You either fight Pacquiao or take a fucking hike, buddy, because I'm just not interested I don't. I don't want to see your Bugatti again. I don't want to see your house again. I. I, I don't want to see you on twenty four seven with the same shit. Your fights the same every friggin' time. No risk. You don't want to get hit. And, and we've heard Ariza in that interview say, "You don't want to see you." I've seen his his plan B if it have if it has to happen. And boy, it's it's scary. <laughs> Give me a freaking break, man! Stop sucking his balls. Yeah, dude, Alex Ariza has an axe to grind. Yeah. Okay? You don't buddy up and you're best friends in the world with Manny Pacquiao, then jump ship on the other side when you get fired. So where do you go look for a job? Floyd Mayweather has about as much use for Alex Ariza as I do hemorrhoids. Right. It, it's... He's, he didn't need him before and doesn't need him now. Floyd has showed up in the same shape for every single freaking fight. So for this guy to just start spouting off and, you know, a, a plan B my ass. Okay, listen, here's the latest from the biggest brat on the planet, Floyd Miller. Oh, my gosh. Everything that everybody's just insinuating is what everybody's been saying on TV. It's not true. Once again, I've been saying this for the longest time. Pacquiao has no say-so whatsoever, okay? I have Mayweather Promotions, and he doesn't. Mayweather Promotions is my company. Pacquiao's not in any position to call the shots. I'm the boss. I'm the A-side. <laughs> That's about what he sounds like. That's what he sounds like to me, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unheard of, man. Yeah. I, if I have to hear him say he got Marquez problems one more time, I, I swear to God, man. Who cares? So what? Yeah, Marquez beat him. Guess what? He's beaten every other fighter that you could possibly think of, not to mention Marquez a couple times. So I, I just these... It's just Dude, Vin, ridiculous. that that argument doesn't stand up, okay? No. Because then you can come right back and say this. You can say, well, guess what? Cotto took you the distance and Manny knocked him out. Manny mopped the floor with Cotto. In a one-sided, lopsided yeah. fight. Yeah. So, so, so your argument... See, he doesn't realize how stupid he sounds when he says this stuff. Did you hear about the book that's coming out from his... his uh, I did see something, yeah. His personal assistant, where she, like basically went to him and said, Floyd, I'm going to do a tell-all. You know, she was Floyd's right-hand man. No, right. Nobody had more access, um, was able to see more than she did. I can't wait to read that. In the excerpts, she talks about this one situation where he had this woman over and locked her in a, I don't know if it was like a, like he's got like a movie theater room in his in his house or something like that, and basically kidnapped her and wouldn't let her leave. And he stood outside the door for two days yelling and screaming and like berating her and it got to the point where like Floyd's bodyguards wouldn't let her leave and this woman his 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 former assistant she went down and basically said you know what Floyd you have to let her leave if she wants to go like you can't you can't keep her here against her will um and she tells, he doesn't know that he has to be told yeah, that yeah she tells stories about like them like he would go out somewhere he would put on a brand new pair of shoes 
and come home wearing a different pair of shoes because he would get one scuff on them and then take his $300 pair of shoes off, throw them away because they had a scuff on them and put another one on. You hear stories about how he only eats red M&Ms and he has to have a certain number of them laid out. And she goes on and on and on to talk about how he became so disgustingly um, obsessed with money and so paranoid. And then you hear about, off the top of your head, Mm -hmm. when Floyd retired, what is your understanding as to why he came back? He needed some money. He was spending everything he freaking had. She reveals in this book that he gave somebody, a con man, that got really close to him, that made his way in, smooth-talked his way in, mm-hmm. into Floyd's inner circle, that this guy guaranteed that if Floyd gave him a $15 million investment, that he would make him a billionaire. And the dude took the money and disappeared. Floyd hired... Karma's a bitch, ain't it? <laughs> hey, absolutely. That Floyd hired uh, private investigators to go find this guy, and the guy just disappeared off the face of the earth, took Floyd for $15 million, and he didn't have any money left. So that's why he came out of retirement. Of course. Because he got took. Any fighter that comes out of retirement needs money. I don't care what any of them say. They love the sport. Yeah, sure, you love the sport, but you need the freaking money. But Floyd's a boss. Oh, yeah. He's a boss. He doesn't do anything wrong. He got took. He got took for all of his money, and he had to come out of retirement. And you know what? He's he's just going to deny and slander everything that comes out in that book. Apparently... She said, I'm, I'm doing the book, Floyd. I'm, I'm just letting you know that I'm doing the book. And his response to it was, this is how delusional Floyd is. Ah, write whatever you want. It'll just, brought, it'll just get me more attention. He's yeah. going to be exposed for, I mean, he's already been exposed. Right. But now you're going to get even the dirtier and dirtiest stories. You know what? It's like they can't even bring him over to NBC if they want to. No. Uh-uh. It's, it's just your quintessential story of the of the deluded rich guy Mm -hmm. guy that's been completely blinded by his greed and his wealth and the fact that he doesn't surround himself with anybody that will tell him no the the worst thing ever happened to floyd mayweather is him not getting beat if he would have got beat a long time ago that none of this shit would you would not see this persona come on man it's all been manufactured yeah all of it has, you know what I mean? And now the guy has the nerve to sit there and admit to the world that he is just stealing everybody's money and people will keep paying for it. I can tell you right now, I will say to anybody that listens to the show, if you buy another Floyd Mayweather fight and you actually think what comes out of his mouth has any shroud of truth around it whatsoever, but more importantly, if you buy another fight and support this guy, you are an absolute moron. Yes, there ain't no other way to describe it. Absolute moron, because he has taken you to the cleaners. So, Manny Pacquiao is looking for an alternative fight and was spotted in England this past week um, talking to Amir Khan. What do you think about that fight? Uh, It's a great fight. Uh, It's a tough one to call, I'll tell you that. That's two of the fastest guys in the sport, man. Hand speed, and you might not even be able to see punches being thrown between them two. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if, if they make that fight. You Manny, you don't think Manny would go to London? He'll go to London and fight. Oh, yeah, I think he said he would. Yeah, yeah. I think that that would be huge if he went to oh, London. Oh, hell and yeah. Him. They could fight in Wembley Stadium easily. He might even be more popular than Khan, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, I bet he is. Yeah. Yeah, Khan's kind of a polarizing figure um, in the UK, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so you wouldn't have a problem with, with, with Pacquiao and Khan? No, not at all. Yeah, I think it would be. I mean, if that's that's the best alternative for Pacquiao, 
Yeah. Yeah. Why not, man? Why not? All right. So enough of that. Um, I think I just uh, popped a few blood vessels in my forehead. <laughs> Whatever, man. So we move on. Manny the movie. So uh, Manny's documentary looked like it had been worked on for a really long time. Narrated by Liam Neeson. Um, came out this week. And uh, you had a chance to watch it. Yep. Um, I had a chance to watch it. I actually watched it twice. I watched it once um, the day that it came out. And then I watched it again with my wife because she wanted to see it. Um, what did you take away from it? What, I mean, what were your impressions of the movie? Uh, we, I, we, Of course, we all know, you know Manny's story, his, his, his upbringing and, and how rough it was. But seeing it in that movie, I mean, just gives you a whole new level of appreciation for where that freaking guy came from. Yeah. A mud hut in the middle of the jungle. With a coconut leaf roof. Yeah. Walking outside, seeing dead bodies everywhere. To the baddest MFR with gloves on his hands. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You can't write that. No. I, th- I thought it was great that they really didn't, you know, they, they talked about, you know, his partying and his gambling. Oh, yeah. It wasn't just a fluff. No. No, it wasn't a fluff piece at all. No. I think, you know, you really got to, um, uh, you got a well-rounded picture of it. I thought that they were more than fair and hard on Bob Arum. Oh, yeah. Uh, he got the worst of it almost in that movie out of anybody. Yeah. I mean, he, in that movie, he's basically blamed for Manny and Floyd not happening. Yeah. No, 100%. He, they, they, Risa says, it's not Manny, it's not Floyd, it's Bob Arum. Yeah. I think the movie also really sort of shed some light on uh, on how hurt Alex Ariza was by somebody in that camp, um, either Bob Arum or Freddie Roach, because um, – the way that he interacted with Manny and the way how, how close to, I mean, those two look like brothers. Yeah. I, I think that bothered in the, in the end, I think that bothered Freddie that they got closer, that Manny and Alex were closer than Manny and Freddie. think so. Yeah. I think that has to be it, man. What, what else is there? Yeah. He'd have to be a pretty, a pretty shitty dude to just walk across the street like that. I don't think he'd do that to Manny. No, uh-uh. No, he, he's busy. He never says anything bad about me. No, not a word, not a friggin' word. He hates Roach. We saw it mm-hmm. in the, uh, 24 seven for what was it? Rios and, and Pacquiao. Yeah. When him and Roach were at each other's throats in that gym. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it definitely has something to do with that because, uh, you know, Hey, at the end of the day, um, you know, a guy like Alex Ariza is a polarizing figure, but you know, you saw a side of him that maybe we didn't necessarily know about or, or see. So, but it definitely, it was telling to me um, that, that, that there was definitely uh, an ax to grind for sure. Oh, without a doubt. So overall, if you were the, the movie critic inside of you, then you're, uh, I want you to channel your inner uh, Siskel and Ebert. Okay. Give me your star rating out of 10 for Manny, the movie. I'd say about seven and a half. Seven, seven and a half out of ten. That's your meta score on uh, yeah. on the movie database yep. website. I always check that meta score to make sure movies legit before right. I see it. I don't, I don't ever read the reviews on movies because I don't give a rat's oh. ass what anybody else thinks. No, yeah, everybody sees movies differently. Anyways. Exactly. But the meta score usually takes the consensus of say two hundred and fifty publications that have reviewed it, right. so you can get an idea. If something's got three stars next to it, it probably sucks. Right. You know. Yeah, I, I, I'd give it probably an eight. Yeah, it was good. It was very good. I Like you, I watched it Friday night, woke up again Saturday morning, watched it again. Yeah, it was good stuff, man. It was definitely good stuff. Uh, a great story. And um, just makes you appreciate Manny. Oh, hell yeah. You know, it really does. Okay, so we move on to some possible future Manny Pacquiao opponents. Okay? 
we have been privy to the information. I haven't heard 100% confirmation. I haven't heard um, anything from Golden Boy or Oscar De La Hoya yet. And who knows? There may be something out there that's published right now while we're talking about this. But apparently, Lucas Matisse will be squaring off against Ruslan Provodnikov on March 28th. Holy shit. Boing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about this, man. This, this right here, this could be epic. Yeah. This I, I don't see any way that this is not going to be the fight of the year. I, I'm i sorry. Yeah, and apparently this is going to be sort of uh, Matisse is going to end up moving up to welterweight possibly after this fight. Right. What did you th- think about? Were you surprised when you heard that Matisse re-upped for five years with uh, with Golden Boy? That's a that's a long contract. I, I'm thinking Golden Boy offered him five years. I, I, I don't know if I'd offer a fighter five years. He's already... 31? Uh, I'm, 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 more, I'm more so talking about the fact that he's an Al Heyman fighter. Well, you know, I mean, apparently from what I've been reading is that they went directly to uh, Mario uh, Arano, who's Matisse's manager, um, and, you know, rather than actually talking to Heyman at all, they went right to him and they said they did a deal with the manager. Uh, quote, I'm quoting Oscar De La Hoya here. He says, Al Heyman is an advisor to Lucas. We went directly to his manager and his manager and Lucas are loyal to us. We built Lucas Matisse and got him the fights that put him in position. Therefore, he re-signed with us because he wants to continue on the path to the end of his career. I think it was definitely the right move for Matisse to sign with Golden Boy. I mean, without a doubt, get the hell away from Heyman. Yeah, I mean, you know what? And that's the thing. If Heyman's his advisor, he's his advisor. Right. But this goes to show you right here that that Al Heyman is not the all-powerful. No, he is not. No. You know? And, uh, you know, I mean, the fact is is that Lucas Matisse is from South America. You know what I mean? Right. It's, uh, he's not... He's not an American, uh, a West Coast fighter. No. You know what I mean? He's not one, you know, the sort, he doesn't fit the mold of your typical Al Heyman. No, he does not fit in with that group of fighters that Al Heyman has at all. No, not at all. Um, Also, I don't know if you heard this as well, but as part of the deal with uh, James Kirkland signing to fight Canelo on May 2nd, is Golden Boy has signed James Kirkland. They're going to co-promote with 50 Cent. Basically, 50 Cent is saying, here, we need to do something with Kirkland. Mm-hmm. And now, so Kirkland is going to be promoted by Golden Boy for his next few fights. So hopefully we'll get to see him fight more than once every three and a half years. Yeah, I think that's the idea because, you know, prior prior to being with 50 Cent, Kirkland was signed with Golden Boy. And then once he signed with 50 Cent, just like every other person that for some reason signed with 50, just kind of disappeared and became irrelevant. Right. Um, 50 Cent doesn't know how to work inside the the inner workings of boxing you just you can't you can have money and think you can promote all you want it it ain't that easy um basically for the provodnikov matisse fight uh hbo has uh first and and last refusal um, on the next provodnikov fight but they said that they also have to keep in mind um that steven espinoza at showtime has been showcasing matisse on that network so he has kind of a following i i'm not so sure that there are people that are team showtime and team hbo no no i think diehard boxing fans watch both anyways yeah if you're a diehard boxing fan you have hbo and showtime yeah so it doesn't matter which network matisse fights on not at all but if matisse is cut from the same cloth as the uh you know as the canellos and the and the triple g's and sergey kovalev's of the world and dares to be great then he probably should saddle up with hbo yeah i agree all right so we move on to another fighter that has always dared to be great and is one of the true Iron men with a granite chin in the sport of boxing in the Cobra Carl Frotch. So Frotch has been frothing at the mouth 
to try to make the fight with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. in Vegas for one last hurrah. And as they're getting ready to consummate the fight, sustains an elbow injury and will be out and will not be able to return to the ring until this summer. So then immediately after this is announced, which I, which tells me that they knew about this for a little while anyways, Chavez Jr. announces on Twitter that he's going to be fighting Andrew Fonfara. Hey, uh, he better be be careful there. We know Fonfara ain't going nowhere. Good luck, good luck hurting that guy. I think Bob Aaron must have been trolling Twitter because not even like two minutes after Chavez posts that, uh, Aaron responds, "We'll see you in court." <laughs> <laughs> he said he's not going to let it happen. Chavez said, uh-huh, "I'm going to do it." I don't think these guys realize that they're under contract, so Bob Aram has every right to... Yeah, what the hell? Just I... fight your last fight. Right. If you don't like the guy, you should have never signed with him. Get out of the deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know how you get out of the deal? You finish it. Yeah, exactly. Chavez, Fanfara. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's a good fight for a guy in Chavez that has not been in the ring. No. Fanfara's been battle-tested, man. Dude, he is one of the toughest guys we saw fight last year. Yeah. I, I personally, I would take. I would bet you that Chavez would probably be a two to one favorite in this fight. Yeah, I would take Funfara at plus one eighty, plus two hundred. I put I put a hundred bucks on him right now. Boom. Yeah, I, 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 dude, I'm right with you. I, I for them to think that Funfara is going to be like a you know step down easy fight. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I don't see it. I don't care what happens. As long as Frotch returns to the ring this summer against whether it's Chavez, whether it's Triple G, I don't care whether whether it's Kovalev. I, I don't care. I'm hearing all these names. He wants a big fight. All of those guys are big fights. All of them would be great fights. Right. The one fight that I do not want to see Frotch involved in is against what I'm hearing, and this was sort of perpetuated by Bernard Hopkins. Yeah. I do not want to see Frotch in the ring with the alien. No, we, we we don't need that fight. Nobody needs that fight. We don't need somebody that fights the style of Bernard Hopkins in the ring against the style of Carl Frotch. It, it will be a it'll yeah. just be the most frustrating thing you've ever watched. Oil and water, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a Hopkins will be holding on to Frotch for dear life. Yeah. And you know, Frotch does not like to be held. He will punch you in the back of the head. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Real quick. Punch you in your kidneys. He'll hit you wherever. <laughs> no, I don't want to see that. So keep your fingers crossed for the return of the Cobra as he will be hopefully um, gracing an arena here in the United States sometime this summer. So Vladimir Klitschko returns to the United States and the fight is signed, sealed, and delivered with the newest member of Rock Nation Sports, mm -hmm. Bryant Jennings. April 25th at Madison Square Garden. We had heard Barclays Center originally, but the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world returns to the United States for the first time in six years to defend his lineal crown against Brian Jennings. What do you think? Uh, I, th I think it's going to be a quick night. <laughs> I think Brian Jennings is going to be on the floor in less than five rounds. Yeah, that fight will... I, don't, I, I mean, I understand he won some eliminators. Uh, he's he's definitely not the best competition in the heavyweight division right now. No, no, you know, Jennings is yeah. I, I just don't think he's that good of a fighter, man. No, uh, -uh. you know, he's I mean, an athlete that's fighting. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have much experience. No. Yeah, I think he's even a a step down from uh, uh, from Deontay Wilder. Yeah, I agree. As far as athletes becoming boxers are mm -hmm. concerned, you know what I mean. I don't even think Jennings beat 
Mike Perez. No, no. You know what I mean? If Mike Perez would have even gave one flying fuck about that Being fight whatsoever, yeah. he would have dominated him. Yeah, he Because I, I, I thought that Perez just gassed himself out. He most certainly did. He That fat ass did not work out before the fight. No, that, yeah, this I predict this to be pain. And I'm just hoping that they put something good on the undercard. Um, and, you know, it'd be great to see Dusty. Hernandez Harrison fight on this undercard. Yeah. Another Rock Nation be fighter. Huge for him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I could see him being in the co-feature leading into this. Or uh, the speculation that we are hearing is that um, Top Rank is trying to discuss with K2 um, and Rock Nation about getting, and, and, and HBO, presenting HBO, HBO is the one that provides the money anyways, about getting Vasil Lomachenko, fellow countryman of Vladimir Klitschko, onto this card, which I think would be, that would be awesome. Hell yeah. That would be awesome, especially because we both agree, and I think there's a lot of people out there that agree that Dr. Steelhammer is going to make really, really short work of yeah. of Bryant Jennings. Yep. And I do apologize. I'm sure in the editing process this will be removed. I'm sure I probably called Bryant Jennings Greg Jennings at least ten times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well, hey. <laughs> All right, so we go back across the pond, back to the U.K., the IBF welterweight champion of the world, recently recovering from a machete wound to the thigh. <laughs> uh, celebrating on holiday, as they call it in the UK, uh, was attacked and stabbed in the leg, is now healthy and ready to return and getting his mandatory out of the way, which I think is a great, great thing to do. will return to his hometown in Sheffield, England, and square off against Jojo Dan, who we most recently saw on the undercard of the lopsided Al Heyman showcase mismatch of Aduknish Chickenson versus Dmitry Sukatsky. Yeah, that was the one uh, redeeming quality on that card was the Bizier and Dan fight. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about the Brook Jojo Dan fight? I think Dan, uh, at first glance, is a. This is kind of the same physical mismatch. I think it, it, it's it's so rare you see at a weight class. It's sort of like not to the same extreme. Right but of how Paul Williams was. Right. You know what I mean? Where he's just like, wow, how is this guy boxing this weight class? He is so much taller than everybody else. Right. But that's how Kell Brook looked against Sean Porter. And now Kell Brook's going to be taking on JoJo Dan. Yeah. Uh, it, Kell Brook's a big dude. I mean, he is jacked. He yeah. looks like a freaking out of a comic book. Yeah. He, he, I, I think Dan's, you know, in a, a bit over his head with this fight. Not. He's a tough fighter, but I, I just don't see him giving Kell Brook any problems. You don't? No. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I mean, you know, we saw the Bizier fight. It was a good fight. Yeah. But the quality of the fighters themselves are not, they weren't, they're not world-class talent. No, nah, just just tough guys. Yeah, they're tough sons of bitches. That's yeah. all they are. Yeah. Okay. Now, let's let's just go right back into, the, uh, into treading water in a uh, perpetual sea of ridiculousness. Have you heard that there is conversation, or there was conversation, that Peter Quillen is going to fight Andy Lee for the same belt that he vacated? For less money? For less money. Did you hear about this? I, dude, yeah, I heard about it. It's, I, don't, you, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> the sanctioning bodies feel threatened by Al Heyman because his fighters are making the belts seem not important. Right. Because they're vacating or they're not fighting for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically the WBO responded to this by saying, you make the fight with your mandatory Billy Joe Saunders or and or the fight goes to purse bed, period. Right. 
they they didn't in any other case they would have granted him an exception to fight Peter Quill. Mm-hmm. But the WBO said, okay, Peter Quill, you spit on our belt. You want it back now? You want it back now? Guess what? You're not getting the fight. No, yeah, I I agree 100%. Good for a WBO, man. Screw Peter Quillen. He's a... You can't, what a twat, dude. You can't logically explain to me how that move makes any sense. You're, <laughs> I give up the belt, and I come back to get it for uh, half the money that I was going to get to fight for it last year. Yeah, that makes awesome sense. Yeah, I, I, come what on. What a genius. What a genius. Oh, man. Speaking of geniuses, Jermaine Taylor. <laughs> the IBF middleweight titleist, Jermaine Taylor, was scheduled to take on Sergio Mora on February 6th at the Beau Rivage Resort and Casino in Biloxi, Mississippi, on ESPN's Friday Night Fights. According to the all-knowing and powerful Lou DiBella, the fight was going to be canceled Anyways, because apparently Taylor had cracked a rib during a sparring session. Oh, of course. Okay. That's convenient. Yeah. Yeah. It was going to be canceled anyways. So why didn't you just leave the arrest alone and say that the fight, why didn't you just announce the fight's canceled? Right. Morons. So Taylor was arrested and charged with eight felonies and one misdemeanor over an incident that occurred in his hometown of Little Rock, Arkansas. Taylor was charged with five felony counts of aggravated assault for allegedly discharging a gun, three counts of endangering the welfare of a minor, and one misdemeanor count of possession of a controlled substance and having some green leaf in his pocket. Um, The Pulaski County Sheriff's Office Captain Carl Minden reported this to ESPN.com. Allegedly, Taylor popped off a few shots into the air after an altercation with a man and his family, um, and Taylor had pointed the gun at the kids and at the guy's wife, threatening, you know, I'll, 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 I'll shoot your family too. Um, when Taylor was arrested, the police found him in possession of the bag of marijuana, like I said. So then comes the fight gets canceled, and then TMZ, always accessing just the wildest and weirdest videos. I don't know. It's almost like, do they pay these guys to make these videos? Right. Oh, man. There's a video out there on TMZ.com. Check it out, of Jermaine Taylor sitting in a bathtub. Is um, the bathtub full of water and he's taking a bath or is he just sitting in there in his clothes? Uh, it looks like it, it's a neck up shot, but it looks like he's actually taking a bath. Cause okay. I think you can hear the water splashing okay. around or something like that. He goes, uh, Jermaine Taylor says to the effect, I know y'all disappointed in me. I'm sorry if I let anybody down or hurt anybody. And then he started talking about this parade where I guess maybe this altercation happened or something like that. Y'all need to get it together. Have my little girl out there. Nobody had no candy. <laughs> what? Yeah. If I got to go to jail, I'm going to sit my ass in there. But I'm not going to say I had no problems with no drugs to get out of jail. I worked too hard in my life to be put that in it. You can kiss my ass. Excuse me? Yeah. Come come again? <laughs> I, I, dude, the guy's dumb as a bag of rocks. I, he's been punched in the head too many goddamn times. The, the fact that he's allowed to still fight is a complete joke. Uh, Bella should be... Held accountable for letting this guy fight. But, of course, the promoters are never held accountable. And they'll just condescend and talk to right. all of us like we're a bunch of morons. You guys don't Look, know shit about boxing. Yeah, we don't know anything. Oh, okay, that's right. Because you're a master manipulator that takes advantage of people all the time. Right. You know what, man? I'm so sick of Lou DiBella's righteousness and all this bullshit, man. Michelle Rosado posts a, a tweet last night after the Rios-Alvarado fight that says, 
And there are boxers that really need interventions. Alvarado is one of them. Jermaine Taylor is the second. So sad, right? Hey, I agree. I think everybody agrees with that sentiment from the raging babe, um, Michelle Rosado. And then, so Lou DiBella, it's like, dude, just shut up, man. Yeah. Quit while you, you've gotten away with so much, man. Just quit while you are ahead. But these guys, Bob Arum, Lou DiBella, these promoters just cannot help themselves. No. They live in an imaginary world where their reality is the only thing they know. And they don't think, they think that they're the ones that know it all. And the other 7 billion people that live on the planet are the morons. Right. They're, they're pulling the strings. So in response to the sentiments from Michelle Rosado, Ludabella says, after the fight, he says, true on both. Then all of a sudden, once Ludabella says that he agrees, Twitter explodes. And people start coming at him, and he starts making excuses and backpedaling. Let me just put this out here, okay? We've, we've so briefly touched on this in inconsequential conversations. But the fact remains this, is that after Jermaine Taylor's fight, where he suffered a brain bleed okay a brain his brain was bleeding from being hit Lou DiBella said immediately after this fight that he could not promote Jermaine Taylor any longer out of good conscience at all he said he could not do it out of good conscience right there you know what if he says that and then that's the end of it. Jermaine Taylor goes on with his life. Mm-hmm. We are not having this conversation, and he doesn't look like a complete and utter moron and asshole to the rest of us out there. Because what happens is Ludabella is losing any respect that he ever had out there. Because now we're, we're, we're in these conversations with this irrational behavior by Jermaine Taylor of talking about what's going on in the NFL right now with these head trauma injuries, mm-hmm. about how athletes that have suffered brain bleeds, these these hemorrhages of the brain, I think it was called CTE mm-hmm. or something like that, they lash out violently. They commit suicide. They attack their loved ones irrationally. Their behavior makes no sense whatsoever. But all Lou DiBella needed to be able to go along and continue in his grimy ways, his slimy uh, boxing promoter ways, was, hey, we'll put him through some tests, and as long as they give him the thumbs up, right. then I can just, you know what, I'll promote him and say, hey, it's not on me now. After he knows in good conscience he should have never promoted another fight with this guy, now this is what's going on with Jermaine Taylor, which we're not doctors, but it all points to this guy may have some form of a brain trauma that is causing this sort of behavior. And Lou DiBella, as a boxing promoter, is a, is a fighter still going to get in the ring if they want to? Yeah. He continued to promote him and is directly responsible for the behavior of Jermaine Taylor. A hundred percent he is. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't make a statement like he made and, and make himself you know look like I'm doing right for the fighter and then come back because you lost your cash cow and Sergio Martinez last year. You don't have a champion in your stable. You found a cheap way to get Jermaine Taylor back in the ring, get him a belt, and give you some form of legitimacy in boxing right now as yeah. a promoter. And, and it's just sad because that's why he did it. He did it for himself. Yeah, he did do it for himself. Yeah. And now, he, so in his backpedaling and his response to all these people that are calling him out just like we just did right. and saying the same things that we just said but only in 144 characters, is Ludabella is responding by saying, oh, well, Jermaine has to, you know, he has to want to help himself. What? You promoted him to get back in the ring after mm. his brain bled. It is your responsibility 
as a direct responsible party for the fighter to tell him when he is not making the proper decision mm-hmm. making to sit him down and say, Jermaine, I'll do anything I can to help you moving forward in the future, whether it's give you a job, right. whatever it is, but you cannot get back in the ring ever again. Not only did he not do that, but then he had the nerve to promote him. Yeah. The credibility of Lou Bella, as far as I'm concerned, as a boxing fan, just goes right onto the trash heap with all the all the rest of the just ridiculously expected repetition of nonsensical, irrational bullshit that boxing is piling on mm-hmm. the hard working fans of this sport. Yeah, you said it, buddy. Perfect, perfectly put right there. I mean, that's that's a hundred percent what it is. Man, it just keeps on coming. You know what I mean? It just keeps on coming. These guys are so greedy. They can't even get out of their own way to stop for one second and just look boxing fans in the eyes and say, you know what? We have been taking you guys for a ride ever since the first day you tuned in and way before that. There's no sense of business ethics in boxing whatsoever. None. 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 But you know what? When, when, When stuff like this happens, when just dirty, grimy, like you said, unethical acts happen like this, then the next guy thinks that if he just, you know, they take advantage of situations like this. Oh, yeah. So they'll be like, hey, this is an opportunity for me to look even better, you know? Uh, Mouthpieces. All of them are just mouthpieces, and they just use and abuse fighters, man. Yeah. You know what? I I refrained out of that conversation last night on Twitter, man, because I just didn't want to be – I don't want to be a troll. No. You know what I mean? I don't think you're a troll – if you if you call somebody on their on their shit, right? But how can you rationalize? Because what Ludabella does is he sits there. He he's on a perch, right? He's on a on a on a pedestal where he thinks he's above all of us. That we're just miscreants mm-hmm. that are just bottom feeders that will just buy any bullshit that he sells. And it doesn't matter if you're if you have a good point or you're just somebody that's like, hey, that doesn't sound right. Whatever it is, if your point is two words and you just say, Lou DiBella, you're an idiot, or you go on a five-minute rant like we just did, it it doesn't matter. He looks at us all the same way. Mm -hmm. So why waste our breath? You know what? I'll use this platform that I put my money into to sit here, and I will speak for all of those out there that have the same exact frustrations that we do. You know, some people just shrug it off and they're just like, ah, it's just, it's boxing. Ah, it's just boxing. It's that mentality that allows boxing to get away with what it does. And yep. it's not the sport. It's the people in the sport. Because at the end of the day, we have the say. Mm-hmm. As fans, you have to force the sport to bend over for you. Because the reason why Major League Baseball, the reason why the NFL, the NBA, while these sports bend over backwards for the fan is because the fans hold them accountable. Exactly. If you don't have fan support, you got nothing. And I can tell you right now, if a rerun of the Simpsons is getting more viewers than the biggest fight of the year, you got problems. Uh, yeah, I'd say. But as long as Lou DiBella and Bob Arum and Al Heyman and all their bottom lines show that they're in the black at the end of the year, guess what, Vin? It ain't going to change. I, I, I'd like to know where that yearly circle jerk is between all these friggin' guys. Oh, man, they're just rubbing it all over their bodies, all over their faces, blowing <laughs> blowing 
freaking snot bubbles. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Man, this feels good. Yeah, it does. Oh, fire today. All right. Al Heyman has yet again announced another one. He didn't announce anything while he's sitting in his in his parents' living room on his flip phone. Apparently, that's how he how he does business. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking hard, Harvard educated businessman. Yeah, all man. that money to just operating like that. How he is able to skate the media at, at I don't understand. Dude, that. he's the great and powerful Oz. He's he just is. this little spindly black guy sitting behind the curtain, just pulling strings. Yep. And there's a gigantic fireworks show going on on the outside of the curtains with a big old holographic head saying, I am Oz. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Al Heyman, go. I love it. So Spike TV will carry 33 monthly cards over the next two and a half years, or almost three years total. Nine this year with 12, 12 more fights apiece in 2016 and 2017. The first card will take place 9 p.m. March 13th at the StubHub Center in Carson, California, the Mecca of Action Fights. And it'll be headlined by Andre Berto, and he will square off against Jose Cito Lopez. On the undercard in the co-feature will be Sean Porter. Showtime Sean Porter will square off against Roberto Garcia. Any thoughts on these? I mean, I, I, I love the fact that it's, you know, it's coming to cable TV and it's going to be on once a month and we're going to have all these outlets. My first thought, when I see it, when I saw this contract come across, is does he have enough fighters to fill these cards with legitimate fights? Because I, dude, all the the initial cards that are coming out, these kickoff cards, great fights. You gonna be able to keep giving me that? I I, I highly doubt it. He's gonna suck everybody in, and then you're gonna get the same old shit. Yeah, I yeah I agree, man. I I have the same exact questions running through my mind as well. Spike TV president, Kevin K. This is what he says. He says, Heyman has big names. What I wasn't hearing from the others was that the fighters come first because I believe the fighters need to come first. K said, it's not about the manager, the promoter. That's what I think is actually not good for the sport. We're not talking about any of that with Al Heyman. Oh, you're not. Al Heyman is the advisor of Jermaine Taylor. You're not talking about that with Al Heyman. Oh, you know what? It's all fine and good because he he's touted and has this reputation and has these yes men that answer to big Papa Al that say, Oh, well, you know, Al takes care of the fighter first because he gives me way too much money to knock out a guy that's, Two weight classes lighter right. to fight the Rod Salkas of, of the world. What about Jermaine Taylor? I love these people. They speak out of one side of their mouth and then just vomit out of the other side of their mouth, man. Absolutely ridiculous. He says, Al's thing is that, and he always has said, he's like a ghost, man. His spirit is with us. But the thing that I heard was he wants to innovate and he wants to change the presentation because he feels like I feel, which is what I had wanted to hear, is that I don't want to see a red, white, and blue ring when I turn on a fight and feel like I'm still in 1975. I want to bring a presentation to this, and this is what we what we do at the network. I'm like, what? He's like, we want to update the level of production and put a broadcast team out there that's young, diverse, and that feels like the audience. Okay, that's the most logical thing he has said in this entire right. entire quote. Yeah, I agree. We need new broadcast teams. We need young blood of boxing fans i want to see steve kim i want to see guys that know the damn sport and actually have some insight to offer whatsoever and that are put and but the thing is man is now i haven't as proven as he did in his hostile takeover of showtime an attempted hostile takeover uh vis-a-vis uh dick schaefer right of golden boy is is that he's got people on the payroll that that pump the message 
Yeah. You know? It's proper. They're, they're just propaganda left and right. The Pauli Malinagis of the world. Mm-hmm. Do not give me any more of Pauli Malinagi. No. Please, whatsoever. He's looking for a significant fight right now, Ken. Is he? Yeah. A significant opponent. He stands no chance. He will. He won't just fight anybody. He's got. It's got to be for something because oh. he's that damn good. Well, he's famous. Yeah. He's famous. Huh. You know what? I wanted to bring this up while we're talking about Pauli Malinagi real quick. Okay. I think the biggest beef at the end of the day that Pauli Malinagi has with Manny Pacquiao is this. Okay. Pauli Malinagi threw one punch that sort of rattled Cotto, okay, in their fight. Cotto dominated that fight. Oh, absolutely. Dominated that fight, okay? Ricky Hatton dominated that fight mm-hmm. against Malinagi, okay? Go back and look at all the common opponents, all of the losses that Pauli Malinagi took in his career. You go back and you look at every single one of those, then. You can run it through. It doesn't matter who it is. You go up and up and down. Paulie Malinagi's biggest beef with Manny Pacquiao is that Manny Pacquiao in common opponents dominated, flat out dominated the people that Malinagi got dominated by. Pacquiao knocked them out, (laughs) most of them. Yeah, he can't wrap his head around the fact that Manny Pacquiao is on a different planet from Paulie Malinagi. And Malinagi hates the fact that he got beasted by these guys. Come on. Paulie Patty Cakes Malinaji, when he fights, likes to just uh, bitch slap people instead of punch them. I, I, I'm sorry. He, nobody has any interest or cares to see this joker in the ring ever again. Paulie Malinaji's losses were to people that were just flat out. Dude, he got knocked out by Amir Khan. Okay? He, he's given knocked out by the top of division in every weight class he's been in. Yeah. He lost to Juan Diaz. Come on, man. Yeah. The baby bull. <laughs> the baby bull. He ain't been around for years. Or he's fighting now, but come on, man. Got knocked out by Hatton. You know, uh, man, I, that's his beef. Yeah. He's a little baby whose ego can't handle the fact that there's somebody out there that just destroyed the people that you lost to. Yep. Little bitch. That's exactly what Paul Malinaji is. I'm just tired of pussyfooting around this issue with him, man. Oh, man. En fuego, they say. En fuego, you know? En fuego. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to you know to see who else they put on Spike TV. I think what you're saying is if they can put the, these kind of fights on, I could care less about Andre Berto versus Jose Cito Lopez, but it, it's pretty much a step up from ESPN Friday Night Fights, and it'll give a fresh perspective on it because I think the biggest problem with Friday Night Fights is their, their announcing crew is that, you know, Teddy Atlas, kind of he doesn't do any benefit. He does not benefit the sport of boxing with some of the shit that he says. He's there mainly for just everybody wants to hear him say something stupid. How stupid can Teddy sound today? Yeah. What kind of ridiculous statement can he make tonight? I've always felt, Ben, I've always felt since, since I was a, a, a teenager, you know, staying up, getting home on a, on a Friday night and watching, you know, watching whatever fights they had on, man. I always thought that it was just some low level BS. man. Yeah, I really did. They, they they put very little production value. You think of ESPN; they're the biggest broadcast sports broadcasting thing on the planet. You would think they'd be able to sink a little bit more money into boxing. Yeah, I mean, that's where your your potential for the biggest audience is. I mean, now mm-hmm. I know with things shifting to Spike and NBC and other outlets that Heyman's going to take the sport too. I get it. I mean, that's going to grow. But for as long as it's existed, you've had this 
outlet where you could have put on some big fights to help legitimize the sport. If you're going to have one channel that has the access and the viewership, the biggest sports network in the world, and you can't put on fights that make your sport look good, so then you put on there are some good fights. Don't get me wrong. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's some, there's some good ones. There's some good fights. But then, um, you know, you get a vast majority of crap fights that are then basically regurgitated by the guy who's calling the fight, who's almost unbearable to listen to. And he basically tells you, oh, this is crap. This is what's killing boxing. You're not helping the sport. But, no. You know, it's it's a double-edged sword. He, he disrespects the sport every time he's on the mic. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what? It, it it turns into a circus. I, I I personally, I wish ESPN Friday Night Fights would just disappear. I really do. Yeah, we we could do without it for sure. All right, let's move on. Um, as we wrap up the show here on episode thirty three of the Tale of the Tape, um, last night, late last night, after Rios uh, Alvarado three, uh, Dan Raphael posted some notes, um, discussion. There's some some moving and shaking, um, some rumblings in the the world of the 126 pounder, the featherweights, which is you you and I have talked about. This is probably the best weight class in boxing loaded, loaded. Um, Definitely the most talented in the top five by far. Yeah. Um, So top ranks, Bob Arum, who is the promoter for Nicholas Walter and Vasil Lomachenko, two of the titleists in the featherweight division. There is a negotiation ongoing for a unification fight to take place later this year. Um, it has been conceded that they both will have a fight coming up on big cards. They're talking to HBO about, like I mentioned this previously, trying to get Vasil Lomachenko on the undercard of fellow Ukrainian Vladimir Klitschko's um, lineal title defense against Bryant Jennings on April 21st at uh, April 25th at Madison Square Garden. And that uh, Aaron would like to see Nicholas Walters on um, the co-feature of the next Terrence Crawford fight, which I think is supposed to take place at the end of April as well, um, which I think is great. And I think if you put Nicholas Walters on a Terrence Crawford card, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, yeah, it's action all night. All night. But in other featherweight news, um, this is from ESPN.com, is that while top rank does have belt holders and Lomachenko, um, Nicholas Walters, and Yevgeny Gradovich, Heyman, is the advisor to former titleist Abner Mares and the um, the flashy and fast and quick-handed Gary Russell Jr., who actually got outclassed and flat-out dominated by Vasil Lomachenko um, for the belt <clears throat> that Lomachenko wears around his waist right now. Um, Mares is supposed to appear on the undercard of Keith Thurman, Robert Guerrero on March 7th in the debut card for the new NBC Premier Champions Boxing or PBC Premier Boxing Champions, the Al Heyman gig on NBC. Uh, but Heyman's trying to put together a fight where Russell would actually fight against the uh, undisputed champion of the division in Johnny Gonzalez, um, and that Johnny Gonzalez would fight. So Johnny Gonzalez would fi- fight Gary Russell, and the winner would fight the winner, Abner Mares, and his next fight. This is obviously a move to try to get one of the more notable fighters under the advisement of Al Heyman to be, to take Johnny Gonzalez's belt. Right. What do you think about this? Not so much the Lomachenko Walters. I know you've got a raging boner for that. Right. But um, as far as this Gonzalez Russell fight goes, uh, 
you know, it, it seems like Al Heyman, you know, you can't blame him. He, he's he's for the fighters, as they say. Yeah, he, He's trying to get his guy a belt. I, I understand it. Does Gary Russell deserve that shot? I don't think so. I, I, I yeah, I agree. I, I do not think he's worthy of that shot right now. Especially- I think, I think Abner Mares deserves. I think Abner Mares deserves that shot more than oh, yeah. than Russell does, only because Abner Mares is a former champion. Right. You know what I mean? You can't give a guy like, uh, you know, Gary Russell got dominated by Lomachenko, and then, you know, fought a a, a total dud in his last fight and showed no improvement. No. No improvement whatsoever, man. I think personally that Johnny Gonzalez right now, today, do I think Lomachenko is maybe the best fighter in the world? Yes. Mm-hmm. I would argue, I would, I would involve myself in that argument. Would I win it? Probably not today. Right. Two years from now, yeah. I think we're going to be talking about the pound-for-pound pound best boxer in the world. Yeah, without, and, without a doubt. You, do you agree with that? No, I, I couldn't argue one bit of that. I, <laughs> I, right now, I think he's the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. Yes, well, so do I. And... Here, I think Gonzalez can beat anybody in that division. Yeah, he's got he's got one punch knockout power. Yeah, I mean, and he is as seasoned as they oh, come. Yeah, he had seventy fights. Yeah, dude, he is a baller. Yeah, I love watching. I, you know what? If this is the fight they want to make, I will be tuned in for it. Oh yeah, it'll be a good fight. Yeah, I would love to see Johnny Gonzalez and Gary Russell Jr. Yeah, I think Gary's going to be in for another rough night. Yeah, but this is what happens, you know. Deontay Wilder dodged the bullet because Bermain Stavern apparently held he held a post fight press conference in his hospital room saying that he was dehydrated. And then all the shit just starts coming out about how leading up to the fight every single night, Berman Stavern was at the strip club with Money Mayweather. Yeah. You know what I mean? But anyway, so Deontay Wilder dodged the bullet of the question remains, can Al Heyman develop fighters? Right. Right? Can he develop fighters? Because what happened with Gary Russell is Gary Russell was propped up, put against guys that could not compete with him athletically. So Gary Russell was not forced to learn the nuances of professional boxing. Nope. Instead, he could just get in the ring and be like, and wow, he's fast, flashy, he wins. Right. He tried to do that with no game plan whatsoever against Lomachenko, and he's like, what? <laughs> what? This isn't working. I'm, I'm so fast, though. You know, yeah. That, that's a scary proposition from Russell. Russell has proven nothing to me. No. That he can compete in the top five of the most top heavy division in boxing. No, I, I don't see it. Unless he's made improvements before this next fight, that he's. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know if he's ever going to get there. To be honest with you, if he can't show to make improvements. I mean, he may just be what he is, and that's what you're gonna get. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe Gonzalez, you know, maybe Johnny Gonzalez is just gonna be a little bit too slow for that fight. Maybe Gary Russell will throw a thousand punches. Well, I guarantee that's what they're thinking. If we can avoid the knockout, we can throw enough punches and create enough oohs and ahs mm-hmm. by, without even doing any significant damage to win the fight. <laughs> and Johnny Gonzalez just goes. Mockups. <laughs> oh, easy essay. <laughs> Tranquilo essay. <laughs> I can see it now. <laughs> hey, Russell Jr. <laughs> Tranquilo. <laughs> oh, man, that would be awesome. All right, and to close the show, um, we all kind of noticed during the uh, Berman Stavern Deontay Wilder Showtime fight that Brian Kenny was not there. He was nowhere to be found, and 
I just thought he had the night off. I thought maybe he was doing a special for MLB Network. Right. You know what I mean? That's what I figured, yeah. But apparently his contract has expired and that there are grumblings that he's weighing his options. But industry sources within the broadcasting community say that he may be a part of the Premier Boxing Champions series of Al Heyman that will be airing on NBC, NBC Sportsnet, and Spike TV starting two months from now. Um, hey, makes perfect sense, right? I, I like Brian Kenny, man. I've, I've always been a fan of him. Yeah, I like him too. He's smart. You know, he yeah, knows he, his stuff. Uh, of the guys talking on, on that booth at Showtime, he was obviously the most well-spoken and seemed to be the most knowledgeable, oh, to be honest I, with you. Yeah, I freaking, uh, yeah. No, there's no doubt about that. Um, well, I'll just have to wait and see. Hopefully, he uh, he takes over one of these. I'd like to see him on NBC with uh, with Al Michaels. I think that would be good. Yeah, that would be good. At least at least hosting the show. I mean, not not calling the fights. I think he maybe he's very opinionated, and I, I don't know if he could bite his tongue on the opinion of what's going on. Right? Did they definitely get uh, Al Michaels now? Is that is that for sure? The last I heard, he was going to be doing the main Saturday the, primetime NBC. The NBC's, not the yeah. NBC Sports stuff. No, right? not the NBC Sports night. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of jobs opening up, though, man. Yeah. You know, I'm about to make a demo tape. I'll take one. You know? Seriously, <laughs> I'm about to put a fight on. <laughs> put that thing on mute and, and call it. Say hey, it then. Why not? You know? This is Kenny Keith here, hosting you know, Premier Boxing Championships. Yeah, but you know what, man? I'd probably get fired real quick because I'd be doing blow by blow. I'd actually be calling the fight. Well, if they... <laughs> If they dug up your our past shows and saw how much shit we talked about Al Heyman, I don't think that's happening. But we love Al Heyman. Oh, of course. We love you, Al Heyman. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was a hell of a show, buddy. What was that, two hours? Uh, hour and a half. Hour and a half. But I'm down to do that every yeah. week. Every week. Well, things are going to be slowing down. Um, a bit moving forward as the next big fight is Triple G versus Martin Murray as they will be vying for middleweight supremacy as they square off in Monte Carlo. I do believe that will be taking place on February 21st. There is a card um, next this upcoming Saturday, the 31st in London, the card that Anthony Joshua was supposed to be taking on Kevin Johnson, but we all know that he has a back injury and Joshua will, will not be participating. Um, either way, Mitchell Estrada would be a decent fight. Probably check it out. Um, and the February 6th fight between Jermaine Taylor was canceled. So look forward to February 21st. So in the meantime, we'll talk about these other fights. We'll talk about the, the UK card. Um, probably not going to preview it. But you know what? As the world turns and the year plays out, you know, there's going to be a lot to talk about. Dude, news is flying across the wire yeah, start and, this year. And man. we are not going to hold back in 2015. This is going to be a year of... Very, very colorful opinions here on the tail of the tape. Yeah, no prisoners. No, taking no prisoners whatsoever. Um, so be sure to follow us on Twitter. You can follow Vince at VinceCummings81. And you can follow myself, Kenny Keith, at Kenny Keith Jr. Um, drop by the website, sportsrantradio.com, for all the archived episodes of the tail of the tape. And that will do it for episode 33 and we can't wait to see what happens in the world of professional prize fighting as the world turns. <laughs> All right, folks, that'll do it. We will see you next week here on the Tale of the Tape.